are in the book of First John. We'll be for a little bit. So next couple of next couple of months, just plan on it. Um, we're going. We're averaging about two to four verses a week. So you can do the math if you really want to walk through it. But uh, anyway, I, I like doing it this way, and here's why: because it 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 keeps it all in context. It helps us understand not just the specific passages, but the book as a whole. And I think if you're going to be a student of the Scripture, one of the things you have to remember is the easiest thing to do with the Bible is take it out of context. You see people do that all the time. And we don't want, to be that, we don't want that to be true of us. We want to be able to look at the whole picture as well as the specific picture. So the book as a whole is about how to know you're a Christian. Um, the different ideas of that, one of them is we've talked about obedience. We've talked about loving other people. We're talking now about understanding truth and error. We're, under, we're talking now about how you understand that which is true from that which is false. And it's important. You know, we talked about this last week. <clears throat> we're in a culture which, you know, anymore, the one verse that every person on this planet knows is Matthew chapter 7. Not John 3.16. We, we, we lost that one a long time ago. The one verse that everyone knows is Matthew chapter 7, judge not lest ye be judged. But nobody goes on to verse 2, which says, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. The Bible doesn't say don't judge. The Bible says, judge, but understand you're held to the same judgment. So there's no problem with me going in and saying you're wrong, as long as I say you're wrong because the Bible says you're wrong. And when God judges my life, I want him to judge me by the same standard, what he says, his word. So we need to understand that because we're in a culture in which it's like, <clears throat> it, it's, not, it's not the idea of, uh, the world's idea is this. If you disagree with me, you don't love me. Well, how does that work for a parenting philosophy? You know? Because I got news for you, over the years, even today, I disagree with my kids on stuff. That doesn't mean I don't love them. I can love them and disagree with them. I can love them and say, you're wrong. This is bad behavior. I can still love them. But the world's concept is, well, if you don't agree with me, and if you don't allow me my beliefs, and allow me to say that my beliefs are right, then you don't love me. No, 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 I can still love you. I, you know, I love my wife, but there's times she's dead wrong. You know, I mean, I love her to death, but you know what? You know, she's wrong. Um, you know, and I'm, she might feel that way once in a while. Um, you know, <laughs> like every day. No, uh, but I mean, honestly, you know, that's, and so John, and he talked about that last time, and we're going to get into that even more today, all right? But I want you to understand that because when... <laughs> When you and I have to make a decision about what's true and what's false, we have to make a judgment. You know, yesterday I had to judge 24 teams and decide which one I thought was the best. And we had a criteria. We had a, this is, again, I'm not an educator, rubric? Is that, is that what they call it? Yeah, we had a rubric to follow and all of that kind of thing. You know, I was in there judging with college professors and and engineers and computer, you know, I'm like, how did I get with this group? Um, but it was fun. I had a good time with it uh, yesterday. But it, it was one of those things where we, 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 spent, we spent eight hours yesterday judging. Um, 
Why? Because it's part of life. And so we have to understand, and, and that's what John's saying. He's saying, look, in the Christian life, you're going to have to make some judgment calls. You're going to have to say right, wrong. In fact, this morning, we're going to get so specific, he said this. You're going to have to say Satan, God. And if you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have to do that. And so that's what John talks about in 1 John. So let's read the passage and then uh, leave it up, guys. We'll walk back through it and, and just go kind of literally line by line, phrase by phrase. So here's what he says. I'll read the whole thing. Who is a liar? It's the man that denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that you do not see that you have heard from the beginning what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you'll remain in the Son and the Father. And this is what he has promised us, even eternal life. All right. There's a ton of stuff packed in here. So we're going to go through it line by line, phrase by phrase, and try to unpack it. Notice what he says first of all. What's unique about the first couple of words up there? Who is what? The liar. Not a liar, but the, the liar. He is identifying an individual. And who would be the liar of all liars? Satan. So right at the bat, he's saying, who is the liar? This, this, this is from Satan. Okay? This is how you know something is from Satan. All right? And that's how he starts this thing out. This is how you know it's wrong. This is how you know it's not true. And notice what he says. It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. All right, now, we've got to back this up a little bit because in our culture, unfortunately, we think that Jesus' first name is Jesus and his last name is Christ. Okay? You need to understand, Christ is a def definition of Jesus. And you see it broken down for you here. Jesus is the Christ, right? Because... Remember, when, when Mary and Joseph had Jesus, they said, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. That's his name. His name is Jesus. Christ is what he does. Okay? Anybody know what Christ means, by the way? It's become really important today. Mm -mm, that's Emmanuel. Huh? It, Christ has this concept. It, literally, Christ is anointed one. Jesus is the anointed is how we would say it. It has that idea. It has that idea of anointing with it. And that becomes very, very important. So, so this is really cool. Next time you're at work and somebody says, takes the Lord's name in vain and says, Jesus Christ, if you really want to shake them up, look at them and go, really? You believe Jesus is the anointed one too? Um, they, they won't know what to say. No, don't do that. They won't know what to say. But anyway, Jesus is the anointed. Now, here's a question for you. And some of you who are students of the Bible, help me out here. In the Old Testament, there were three types of people who were anointed. Anybody know what groups of people were anointed in the Old Testament? Priests were one. Huh? Kings were another. Prophets. Is this starting to ring a bell now? Jesus is the anointed one. There's prophet, priest, and king. 
He's the anointed one. That's who was anointed in the Old Testament, prophets, priests, and kings. Now, let's take it back one more step. Let's take it one step further here. What did a prophet do in the Old Testament? What was his job? What's that? Prophesied what? So he just prophesied whatever future? He prophesied what God told him, right? So he was the one, his role was to speak God's word to the people. That was his job, correct? Jesus is the anointed prophet, the one who speaks God's word to the people. What was the job of the priest? He, sacrifice? Forgiveness of sins? What else? Mediator? What else? Anybody else? Um, by the way, in the Old Testament, priest often was the healer. You, you went to the priest when you were sick in order to be, make sure that you were cleansed of leprosy and all that kind of thing. Remember that? So that's the role of priest. Jesus is the anointed priest, the one who forgives, the one who intercedes, the one who mediates, the one who stands before, between you and God. And that was the job of the king. The rule. You did what the king said. So now follow this. Here we go. It is the man. Who's a liar? Who's the one who lies? It is the man that denies that Jesus is the anointed prophet priest or king it's the man who says you know what god's not gonna be a prophet in my life i don't care what the bible says i'm gonna do it my way the one who says you know what i'm not going to i'm not, I'm not i don't have to confess my sins to god i don't i don't need anybody to mediate for me i'm just gonna live my life and i'll stand before god and whatever happens happens what i'm not gonna let god be king in my life you gotta be kidding me why would I let Jesus be king in my life? I, I mean, it's my life. I can do with it what I want. He said, look, the man who's a liar, he that denies that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. Such a man is the anti-anointed one, the anti-Christ. So the one who comes along and goes, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm against this whole God thing. I'm against this whole religion thing. I'm against this whole Christianity thing. He's saying, okay, that, that guy... Mark him. He's not a believer. You know, I just thought like everybody that loved God could like all go to heaven together. No. That's why Jesus said, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No, there is only one way. And that's what he goes on to say. He then flips this around and he says he denies the father and the son so the person who is saying no god you're not going to be prophet priest and king in my life i i don't want anything to do with that that that's the antichrist that's the one who denies the son and he says no one who denies the son has the father again remember we've talked about the historical context in the historical context the gnostics were saying jesus was a great teacher he was a really cool person but he was not god because the eternal world and the physical world can never mix. So Jesus was not God. And, and John said, no, 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 no. Somebody's going to say that. Somebody's going to say he's not the anointed one. That man, antichrist. He's anti-God. He's anti-anointed one. And he goes on. So no one who denies the Son is a father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father. So he flips it around. He goes, okay, look, you're going to deny him? 
You don't have him. You're going to accept him and acknowledge him as prophet, priest, and king in your life? Then you have the Father. It, they work together. All right? Are we clear there? All right? Because now he goes on to the next part of it. Here's what he said. See what you have heard from the beginning. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. So let's go back to the beginning. Who, who's he talking to? Help me. Who's he talking to? Christians. So he's saying, here's what I want you to do. What have you heard in the beginning? When you became a Christian, what was it that you learned when you were a Christian? Just think it through for a second. Okay? What, what did you realize? Before you become a Christian, what do you have to do? Huh? Yeah, you have to admit your sins. So you have to realize that you're a sinner, right? Okay? Then what do you have to do? Huh? I have to realize that Jesus is the sacrifice, that Jesus paid for my sins, correct? And then, and then I have to believe that Jesus did that. And then I have to what? What? Say it louder. I have to accept. I have to confess Him, that He's my Lord and Savior, and, and accept His gift of eternal life. Right? So, I have to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I have to acknowledge I need a Savior. I realize that Jesus is that, and as best as I know how, I ask Him to forgive me of my sin, to come into my life, to be my Lord, my Savior. I accept that which He's offered. Got it? Okay? John says, look, then go back to the basics. Make sure the same thing is happening, whether you've been saved two days, 20 years, 50 years, you take the same approach to your Christian life as you did in the beginning, which is simply this. God, show me what I need to do. I will humbly accept it, embrace it, accept it, and change. John said, don't get away from that. Don't get away from being sensitive to God. You got saved because you were sensitive to God's leading. You got saved because you were sensitive to God's word. You got saved because you accepted and embraced that for yourself. John said, go back to that. As a Christian, that's how you need to live every day. That when you're reading your Bible and God shows you something, you go, yeah, I need to change that, so I'm going to work on changing that. God helped me to change that. I'm going to be humble enough to embrace his word. And that's what he says. He said, that which you, see that you have, see that what you heard from the beginning remains in you. Keep doing that. And then he goes on. If it does, you remain in the Son and the Father. When you start living like that, you and Jesus become one with God, and God starts working out in your life. John chapter 16, when it talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches and you remain in me, and, or John 17. And all of that, that's, that's what he's getting at. It's that principle. And then notice what he says. And this is what he promised us. When you do that, when you and I do that, what does he say? He's promised us what? Eternal life. Now, here's the problem. When you and I think eternal life, we think quantity. We think time. We say it this way. Eternal life. We focus on eternal, right? When Jesus, when John... When the other writers of the New Testament and Old Testament focus on eternal life, it, that's not what they're focusing on. They focus on life that happens to be eternal. They would say it this way. 
And this is what God's promised you. Life eternal. Life abundant. Life, remember when Jesus comes to the woman at the well? What does he offer her? Living water. Living water. Not, and see, and this is our concept. You and I, get, get, we get caught up in this. And I get it, I get it that it's easy to do. But let me, I'm going to try to illustrate. I try to think of a way to illustrate. This is the best I can come up with. Um, I try to think of, of a way. You and I focus on the idea that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and I have eternal life. I have a ticket to heaven. And one day, I get to cash my ticket in and go. That's what we focus on. That American concept of it. All right? So let me illustrate this way. Let's say, for instance, uh, one of the places on my bucket list to go is Greece. Don't ask me why. I just I, I like the Greek culture. I would love to sit in some little restaurant one day and order a gyros and sit there and enjoy a gyros in Greece. I mean, that, that's like, like my, you're going, gyros, gyro, all right? Um, so anyway, so I, I would love to sit in a little restaurant there and, and do that. It's like on my bucket list thing. So let's say you came to me after church and said, hey, PJ, I got a gift for you and your wife. Here is a ticket to go anywhere in the world for a week. Everything's all paid. All expenses are paid. Motel's paid. All you got to do is decide where you want to go. And I go, awesome. I look at my wife and say, you want to go to Greece, don't you? Because um, if you don't, I'm going to find somebody else. Uh, no, uh, you know, I'll find somebody else who wants to go to Greece. And, you know, no, no. and then we go, okay, you want to, you know, we decide where we go. And, and she would decide Greece. She would. Because um, she has no desire to travel outside of the country. I mean, she's just happy to be here. So that's her thing. I, me, I, I like the world thing. That's kind of a cool deal. But anyway, so I would, ca- I w- I would, so I would go and I would tell them, say, okay, well, I'll get everything arranged. And they come back to me and they go, okay, we got everything all set up for you. Da, 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 here's your tickets. And, and I, my wife, we go away to Greece and we take a gazillion pictures and we put it all on Facebook. And every time you see me, I'm talking about uh, you know, oh, I got to tell you about my trip. Oh, when you get some time, I want to tell you about my trip. I want to tell you about my trip. I want to tell you about my trip. And I get so many people that want it. I say, okay, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. You know what? There's so many people, and I want to keep telling the story over and over again. So here's what we're going to do. Let's meet like 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and I'll, I'll tell you all about my trip. So 3 o'clock comes, and there's a bunch of people here, and I stand up, and I go, let me tell you about my tickets. These are like the most awesome tickets in the world. These tickets let me go to Greece. Thanks for coming. You go, wait a minute. We don't care about the tickets. The tickets are such a small part of what you got to experience. We want to know about this. You know what we go to the world to say? Hey, let's talk about my tickets. Want to go to heaven? We're missing it. Because we think that's what we're conveying to the world is eternal life. No, it's not eternal life. It's life eternal. It's life abundantly. It's life at a level that you can't comprehend because you don't get to experience it. That's what we have. What we have is the ability that when our world comes crashing down... We have a confidence and a faith that we can go to a Heavenly Father, that we can talk to Him about our needs, that he can, he can give us peace that the world doesn't understand, that He can give us the ability to walk, work through or walk through whatever problem comes our way, and we're talking about our tickets. Is this making sense? Because John says, look, this is what you need to understand. When you can live in such a way that as God speaks to you and God works in your heart, that you can then turn around 
and be sensitive and humble and trust God and apply stuff in your way, then what happens is you have life as God promised, abundant life, eternal, rich, and full. Here as well as for there. You know, and, and, and if you'll think about it for a minute, part of what God lets us experience here, we get to experience a little bit, a little bit of heaven on earth if we can learn to live like this. Okay, let me give you an example. In heaven, do you think you're going to worry about your job? Do you think you're going to worry about your house? Do you think you're going to worry about those kinds of things? You know what God says? God says, I'll tell you what. That's what's going to happen when you die. But if you'll trust me, I can teach you how to live like that here. Be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and mind content. We love that verse in Isaiah. Wait on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up like wings with eagles, and they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Da, da, da. You know what? We talk about that. We quote that verse. We plaster it on our houses. We put it on cool little postcards and everything else. But let me ask you something. What are the first phrase of that verse? Wait. You want to experience those things? Great. Then you just wait, and you trust God. And we just want to focus on the end of verse. We don't want to wait because when was the last time you looked at God and said, okay, God, look, this is what's going on in my life. Things are really tough at my job right now. I don't know what's going to happen and everything else. But, Lord, I'll just wait on you, and whenever you want to do something, that's okay with me. And I'm not going to think about it again. See what I'm talking about? You see where I'm getting at? And John's saying, look, this is life abundant. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, you know what the world needs to see? It needs to see people who can live like this who can remain in God, who can remain in Christ in such a way that when everything else happens, like the stuff that happens in the world, Christians aren't excluded from any of that. So when sickness comes your way, if cancer comes your way, if health issues come your way, if job issues, financial issues, relationship issues, when that comes your way, you don't have to handle it like everybody else. Why? Because you have life eternal. God's promised. You remain in me. You stick with me. You, you, you trust me like you did at the beginning. And that, this is the crazy thing about Christians. I think this, this is the oxymoron of Christians. We trust God with our eternal life. Life in heaven when we die. But we can't trust him with anything down here. We can't trust him with our kids. We can't trust him with our finances. We can't trust him with our jobs. We can't trust him with all that stuff. No, 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 because what happens when, when something happens, what do we do? We try to fix it. We jump in and do our thing, and then when our thing fails over and over and over again, then you know what we do? We go, oh, hey, I, I probably need to pray about it. God, help me now. But now it's such a bigger mess that it's even tougher now. Why? Because we need to trust God here. And that's what, that's what John is saying. Um, I, I, there's two takeaways from this. Here's the first. The first is you need to remember this. If you're a Christian here this morning, you put your faith and trust in Christ, here's what it'll make it really simple for you. Satan lies to you. Every day. The last thing Satan wants in your life today or this week is for Jesus Christ to be the anointed one in your life. So he's going to lie to you all week long. God, 
as the anointed one in your life, as the anointed prophet in your life, is going to try to get the Word of God into your life and get you to apply it this week. And Satan is going to stay outside and say, look, look, you know, I know, I, I know the devotion thing. I know you really want to do it, but you don't, you don't have time for that. I mean, look at your schedule today. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. He's going to lie to you all week to get the Word of God as far away from you as he can. That's what he's going to, that's his going to, that's one of the ways he's going to, he's going to try to get Christ. He's going to try to keep Christ from being the anointed prophet in your life. He's going to try to get him to be the anointed priest in your life. And here's how that works. You mess up, you, you do something you regret, you, you sin this week, and you go to God and you say, God, look, you know, I, I struggle with this, I'm sorry, forgive me, da 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 What's the Bible say God does? Help me out here. Does God forgive you or not? Yeah, yeah, God does. God forgives you, and God says, great, now I'll help you with it, and let's change some things, and let's work on some things to, 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 to help you get victory here. That's what God does. What does Satan do? He doesn't want God to be priest in your life. You call yourself a Christian? How can you do something like that? You're a hypocrite. You're a fake. You're a phony. You know, God might have forgiven you like the first time, or the 20th time, or the 30th time. But God, look, you've done that like 600 times. God stopped forgiving you a long time ago, buddy. Why? He's a liar. That's what he's going to do in your life all week long. The last thing he wants is Christ to be an anointed priest in your life, one that you can go to for healing, forgiveness, sacrifice, mediator between you and God. That's the last thing he wants. King. God wants to be king. He wants to be one calling the shots this week for your life. He wants you to, to listen to him as king. He says, look, you give me your life. Trust me. I'll tell you how to do it. I'll tell you how to do it. You follow me. We'll be good. Satan's understanding, you know, that's old-fashioned. You don't need to do that. Look, it's your life. You do what you want. Don't let your spouse talk to you like that. I'll tell you what, here's how you can get back at him. Here's how you can take your jab this week. They they didn't do this for you this week, and and as much as you sacrificed, you got to be kidding me. Why in the world? I know the Bible says that you ought to serve them like like and love them like god loves the church but look come on you don't need to take that from her or him you don't need to put up with that stuff you know um and and you know and you get to the little games you get to play in the little games you know well she, she did this then i'm not you know i came home yesterday after a long day and guess what there was a there was a bag of trash sitting right there my wife couldn't even pick up the trash and take it out for me now, here's the flip side of it. I texted my wife at 5.30. I said, hey, look, I'm about ready to finish up here today. You know, what's your schedule? What's going on? Da, 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 da. Anything I need to know of? She said, no. She said, I got to leave here in a little bit because I got a, a deal to go to and da, 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 da. She said, hey, don't be surprised. She said, I left a bag of trash for you to take out when you get home. No problem because I'm usually the guy that takes out the trash. Now, I can focus on the fact that, you know what? How inconsiderate of her that the first thing I walk into my house and see last night is a bag of trash. Or I can say, thank God I didn't walk around to the 15 trash cans in our house, pick it all up, and have to put it by the door. Because I got news for you. My little two-minute trip to the burn barrel, what took a whole lot less time than her running around picking up trash and trash cans all over the house. 
You see how this can play out? But Satan, you know, you know, you know, and all Satan's over there going, you know, don't let her to get away with that. And then God's going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You serve her. Take out the trash. In fact, technically, if you really wanted to serve her, I would have said, hey, honey, don't worry about trash. I'll get it from all 15 cans and take out the burn barrel. I'm not that far spiritually. So I, you know, we're not there yet. We're not there. I'm still trying to apply it, okay? But I, we're getting there. Is this playing out? You understand? Because God wants to be king of my life. And being king of my life means when he tells me to do stuff, I do it his way, not my way. But Satan is the liar. And all week long, he's going to be lying to me about any time Christ tries to be the anointed prophet, priest, or king of my life this week. And if you abide in him, if you're walking close to him, you'll be able to spot it. And you go, wait, 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 That is not the way God wants you to handle it. So you're sitting at that restaurant, and that waitress is slower than molasses. And you want to give them a piece of your mind because you're in a hurry. Really. Hey, 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 let me give you an easy way to handle stuff like this. Okay, let me just I'm help you all out here. Parts manager, salesperson, anybody who ticks you off, okay, um, uh, cashier, ra- yeah, propane delivery guy, waitress, waiter, um, fuel delivery guy, uh, you know, whoever it is that you get all, who can, who can just punch your button, doctor's office, waiting room, okay, Whatever it is, here's, what, here's a simple question. This is what helps me because I'm a pastor and this can like be a reality in my world. Here's, here's a simple thing. When I get done dealing with you, can I turn around and invite you to my church on Sunday? Because see, I, I, always, I always run into the, the thing of they could find out that like I'm a pastor. Like nobody yesterday knew I was a pastor, Okay. But at some point, somebody, you know, is going to go, really? Your pastor? You know? And, and I want them to be able to go, oh, okay, yeah, that fits. But you need to think about it. So before you tell that waitress or waiter or cashier or salesperson or whatever else. See, I, I remember this at Sam's when I get into the long lines. Because here's the thing. My Sam's card has the church name on it. And I forget a lot of times. And so, you know, I'll, I'll hand them my card and they go, oh, Holly Springs Bible. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hi. You know, hi. How you doing today? You know, having a good day? You know, because I, I get my routine and I forget. That. So, so to me, the, you know, this has a reality kind of thing. But for me, one of the questions that I ask myself is, wait a minute, when I'm done dealing with you, could I turn around and invite you to church? I should be able to. I should be able to. I should handle myself in such a way that I should always be able to invite you. I should always be able to tell you about Christ. So this week, when, you, when your buttons get pushed, they will. Why? That's how God wants you to handle it as king. You know how Satan wants you to handle it as the liar? Give him a piece of your mind. You don't have to put up with that. How many times have you, how many times did you call this person and they dropped the ball 15 times? Who has to put up with that today? Don't they know anything about customer service? Well, you need to tell them. You need to tell them about customer service. So you got it right, you tell them. Go ahead and tell them. And then follow up by, hey, Sunday, will you join me for worship? See how well that works for you. You know, why? Because God wants us to do it a different way. Is this making sense for all of us? 
Satan is going to be the anti. He's going to be the liar. He's going to be the one constantly telling you that. But God says, no, Christ needs to be the, the anointed one. Prophet, priest, and king in our life this week. So my challenge to you this week is as you go through the week, is to really, really try to abide in such a way. And, and listen, that's, what, that's the flip side of this. He says, he that remains in Christ, he that abides in Christ, that guy, he has exactly what God promised him. Life eternal, abundantly, real, genuine, that can meet a need. That doesn't mean I have to fret like the world frets. I don't have to worry like the world worries. I don't have to live like that. Why? Because I have life eternal. And so, yes, I can look at the world, and I can look at all the bad things that are going on in the world, and I can focus on that, and then I get depressed, and then I get angry, and then I lose my cool, and or I can focus on what I've been given. And you can say whatever you want about this country. I saw an article this morning. Um, whatever country it is, they're having elections. I had a picture of a guy getting beat on the way to the elections to vote. They didn't even know who he was going to vote for. They don't care. He shouldn't have been voting. They beat him. They grew people beating him just because he was going to go walk to a poll and vote. Don't know about you. Things aren't quite that bad yet. You know, it's, it's how we look at it. It's how we view it. So my challenge to you today, my challenge of this thing is really look, remain, abide in Christ. So I'm going to close it by saying this. This week, my prayer is that you'd be willing to challenge the lie that Satan's using in your life. He's lying to you. He's been lying to you this week. He's gonna, or last week, he's going to be lying to you all this week. You've got to be able to spot him. Acknowledge the fact that he's constantly lying to you. And you know what? The way to know that he's lying is you become knowledgeable of truth so you can spot the error. So I challenge you this week, spend time with God. Spend time in His Word. Listen to what He has to say. Go back to, you were saved by listening and humbly obeying and humbly trusting Him. It's the same way you live. And walk in obedience. Because it's my desire that you don't just experience life, but life eternal, abundant, and real. Because that's what our salvation is really all about. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the day. Thanks for the time. Thanks for your word. Lord, Lord we've heard it. We know that Satan <clears throat> works in our lives each week, but it's easy for us to push it aside. So, Lord, this week, may we be sensitive to the things that he is doing. May we be sensitive to your word and the things that you want us to do. And, Lord, may we walk in such a way that the world would see we're different in a way, Lord, that uh, reflects you. So help us this week. Lord, for those who may not have put their faith and trust in Christ, Lord, would you help them to realize that it's about so much more than just a ticket to heaven, but it's about a way to live and exist in life. And help us to be examples, Lord, to show them that rich and full life, these things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.